Well, good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Uh, welcome once again to this weekly gathering of the Erbil Baptist Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Andre, and I have the joy of serving this church family as one of its elders. Uh, as Pastor Joe mentioned last week, and even Pastor David today, we're going to be meditating on the coming of Jesus by studying the lives of women in Jesus' family tree, as seen in Matthew 1. Last week, we considered Rahab's life. We considered how the, the main point that Pastor Joseph preached, which is believing the works of God means fearing him and acting in faith. Today, we're going to consider another woman in the genealogy. Her name is Ruth. Consider today's sermon uh, a reminder of how, of how God has good purposes and how he, and how he redeems his people cannot be stopped by difficult circumstances. My prayer for you this afternoon, if you follow Jesus, my prayer is that you would be encouraged to continue in your walk with Jesus because he has redeemed you and that he is kind and that your heavenly father shows you kindness in this life in more ways than you can imagine and especially in the eternity that we will have with him through Christ. If you're here and you're investigating Christianity, if you're not sure about Jesus, my prayer is that you would see the situation that your soul is in apart from Christ and how you need a redeemer, how it is only God who can redeem you through Jesus Christ. My main argument this afternoon is this. Even in difficult circumstances, the Lord kindly redeems his people, accomplishing his good purposes through ordinary means. Let me repeat that again. Even in difficult circumstances, the Lord kindly redeems his people, accomplishing his good purposes through ordinary means. Let's first consider the situation that Ruth is in. So my first point, difficult circumstances. So Ruth married into a family that moved from Bethlehem across the Red Sea uh, to her home, a place called Moab. Ruth married Malin, one of the sons of Elimelech and Naomi, and she had a sister-in-law named Orpah, who married the, the, their other son, Kilian. Now, they all lived during the time of the Judges, uh, the book of Judges, and it was a terrible time in the history of Israel. There was no king to rule God's people, and God's people had strayed so far away from him. Everything was getting worse and worse. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And because of the rebellion of God's people, there was a famine in Bethlehem. Now, historically, famines are a sign of God's judgment upon his people. So there were no resources, and many families were starving because there's no food to eat. So Elimelech and Naomi moved to Moab, and they were seeking shelter from their hardship in Bethlehem. But by moving this family would ultimately suffer. Moabites also, they were a people that were created because of this, this incestuous union between Abraham's nephew Lot and one of his daughters. And getting married to a Moabite was not encouraged because they led Israel to worship other gods. Uh, they were known for sacrificing their children to gods. And they also didn't let Israel pass through their land when God's people wandered in the wilderness. At one point, they even hired someone to curse the Israelites. 
Elimelech, the, the leader, the, the head of this family that moves, eventually dies. And Naomi becomes a widow. And after 10 years, uh, their sons, Malion and, and Kilian, die with, with no children born from those marriages, leaving Ruth and her sister-in-law, Orpah, alone with no one to take care of them. Because of all this loss, Naomi decided it's probably time to go back to Bethlehem. And she also heard that God had visited his people again and he's providing food. So why, why continue in a foreign land? But now she's returning with nothing. She's a widow with, with two daughters-in-law who were also widows. So she, she encourages her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, just return, return to your mother's homes, return to your parents' houses. It was impossible that she could provide them with sons uh, in time for them to marry according to the custom of the land. And Naomi is fully aware of the hardship and shame that she will have to face returning empty-handed. And especially the bad reputation that her daughters-in-law will have because they're Moabites and they're living amongst the Israelites. So she asks them to return and Aunt Orpha returns to her family. But Ruth, Ruth insists on following her mother-in-law. So she and Naomi travel to, to, to Bethlehem together. How will the life of a, a Moabite, an enemy of Israel, one who is a widow without children in a foreign land turn out? How will her story end? How will Ruth the Moabite respond in this, this difficult circumstance? And in these difficult circumstances, how will the Lord redeem Ruth and Naomi? Does he have good purposes? And if so, how will he accomplish his good purposes in their lives? When we, when we see this, this difficult situation, something seemingly insurmountable, we, we look to the Lord for something miraculous. We look for a miracle. But as we will continue to look at Ruth's life, we'll see that God, the true God, the only true living Lord, He doesn't just do miraculous, extraordinary things, but He also works in, in mundane, ordinary ways. He works in ordinary ways, in and through very normal, ordinary people. Let's look at my second point, the ordinary means. So how does Ruth respond, having returned? What does she do? Well, firstly, Ruth is loyal. She's loyal to Naomi. Let me read a bit of that from Ruth 1, 16 to 18. But Ruth said, she's talking to Naomi here, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Now, friends, it's easy for us to overlook Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law. But consider that as a foreigner, Ruth is still a foreigner, and she's choosing to commit to a people during a particularly dark time in their history. As I mentioned earlier, the book of Judges says that the people of God, instead of 
following him according to the covenant he made with Moses, they decide to live according to what was right in their own eyes. And from from an earthly perspective, she isn't exactly winning by by making this kind of commitment. Uh, She would have been better off following her sister-in-law, you know, returning to her mother and father's home in Moab. She wouldn't be viewed as a lower class person there. And she probably would have had an easier chance of getting remarried again in Moab. Yet, she decides to follow Naomi. And with that, she also confesses her resolve to trust Naomi's God, her Lord, no matter what happens. Even inviting his judgment, God's judgment upon her if she ever abandons Naomi. So Ruth is loyal not just to Naomi, but also to the Lord God of Israel. And friends, Ruth is the kind of friend we, will, we would all long for. Brothers and sisters, are, are you the loyal kind of friend that someone would be thankful for? Is there somebody right now that would be helped by you just being present with them in their lives, especially if they're going through hardship? God calls us uh, to, to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. To have someone lament the hardships of your life, to have someone like that with you is, is such a blessing. And granted, each kind of suffering requires a, a unique kind of care. But there's nothing more lonely than having nobody to go through your suffering with you. And a hard reality of this life is that sometimes we just won't have someone who can relate to us. People might be there for us physically, but they won't necessarily fully understand what you're going through. I'm challenged in what kind of friend I am when I reflect on the kinds of brothers and sisters I have in this room. Many of you are are loyal, faithful friends. There's many of you in this room that have spent countless hours hearing people pouring out their hearts, uh, their souls, uh, their tears. Many of you have asked along with those suffering, with those lamenting, that that very same question, how long, O Lord? Friends, we, we reflect, you're in Christ, we reflect our God. We reflect His covenant faithfulness to His people when we seek to be present in the lives of those around us especially those that we are committed to because of Christ. And Ruth's loyalty stands out so much, especially in contrast to Naomi's response. Naomi was so bitter about what she faced in Moab. She even changes her own name. She says, call me Mara. I'm bitter. And that's a fact. Sometimes hardships, hardships in our life have, have a way of blinding us to the kindness and the continuing goodness of God in our lives. So Naomi, instead of being grateful, she she complained. And granted, her situation was hard. But she failed to see, at the beginning at least, how the Lord was continuing to be kind to her through the loyalty and the love of Ruth. And sometimes we can be like Naomi because of the hardships we go through. It's hard to see how God is is still good, how how God is is still kind. And it's hard to see sometimes how is he going to redeem this difficult situation that I'm in. 
How is he going to use this for our good and his, and his glory, like they say often in Romans 8.28? And in those times, it can also be hard to see how God has already provided, how he's provided people around us who in many ways are willing to lay down their lives for us. Many of us in Erbil are not exactly where we want to be. I've had enough conversations like that being here. There's many people who don't want to be in Erbil. Some of us are are waiting, uh, desiring to be somewhere else. Some of us are here longing for a job, a better job. Some of us are here tired of being alone. Some of us have have wounds and relationships that that need to heal. Some of us desire to have a, a spouse, a husband or a wife, or even a child. Some of us really want to go home, but we can't because we're stuck. Some of us have no home to go back to. Some of us are here waiting on the Lord to make something happen. In terms of ministry, perhaps. And a lot of us just want the assurance that that our future is going to turn out well for us and for those that we love. But our our hardship can reveal where our heart is. Uh, Our difficult circumstances can reveal what we actually believe about God and even how we think about the brothers and sisters around us. Some of you in this room, uh, you, you have the privilege of being able to look back at your life, to having, having seen something difficult that happened, and then you can say that, oh, I've seen how the Lord was good. I've seen His goodness, because this happened to me in the past. But He brought me through that. So I can tell you that God is faithful and good. He's already shown me how He has redeemed that, that difficult situation ultimately for my good and his glory. But some of us here are still waiting in a difficult circumstance. You're still in a difficult circumstance and you're still trying to make sense of it all. Lord, where is this all going? And perhaps this is you this afternoon. You feel a bit like Naomi, bitter at what God has has given to you, how he has and some of you have a bit, some of you experience things that no one else will ever experience. No one else can ever be in your shoes. Friend, if all you see now is your hardship, I want to encourage you to trust that the Lord is good and sovereign. And I'm not just saying that as a band-aid. It's, it's, it's a truth. What else can I give you? God knows the end because he holds the future in his hands. He held the beginning in his hands. And he holds the now in his hands as well. And if you're in Christ, as Christians, we we can have hope for the suffering we go through right now because we have a God who knows what it is to suffer. He didn't just stay up in the clouds. He He came in to our existence. He came into our broken reality. And he went through all the things we went through. So he doesn't just know our suffering intellectually. He has gone through it. And more than that, this same God, the the only true God, promises a day when there will be no more suffering. 
In, in Revelation 21, God himself promises, listen to this promise, he, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Your suffering perhaps might be great now. But let me encourage you, as Paul says in Romans 8, 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So one day when we behold our God in glory, it will all somehow make sense. So friends, put your hope in the Lord and his word. If you're suffering, lean, lean heavily into your brothers and sisters around you. If you're among those who have seen God and his faithfulness, if you're among those who have seen how God has redeemed something from your past, help those who are struggling. Mourn with them, lament with them, hear them out, pray with them, remind them of truth. Sing good songs with them that point your eyes forward, that point your eyes away from your situation and up to the Lord. Seek to be that loyal friend, like Ruth. One second thing to notice about Ruth in, in this difficult circumstance, she is, she's proactive. It was the beginning, so she's proactive. Uh, it was the beginning of, of the barley harvest in Bethlehem. Uh, gleaning or, or gathering from the barley field was hard work. It, it would last all day. And often it would be dangerous. Some of these fields were huge. And you wouldn't know what kind of person you'd end up working alongside with in these fields. But Ruth, the Moabite, she didn't have too many options in a foreign land with how she could provide for herself. Now, God's law given to Moses at Sinai meant that there would be food for, for the foreigners, for the widows and the orphans. Uh, they could take from the corners of these barley fields. But those who go to pick from these fields, they, they know that they're ultimately at the mercy of the landowner. So there's a lot of unknowns for Ruth. You know, she's, she's widowed, she's without a child. And honestly, apart from Naomi, she's, she's still alone. Yet despite this, Ruth takes the initiative to go and collect food for herself and Naomi. She, she doesn't complain. Text doesn't mention anything like that. She just gets right into it. And it's amazing. Of, of all the fields in Bethlehem that she could have gone to, as the writer describes it, she happens to come to the part of the field owned by a good landowner. One man who stood out in a time when, when people preferred to do what was right in their own eyes. And how perfect that through Ruth's initiative, through her being proactive, the Lord would show her, uh, a foreigner, he would show her favor from a godly man. And, and she's humbled by his care and, her, and his concern for her. And he, he goes beyond, he goes above and beyond what the law required of him in caring for foreigners and widows. And how perfect as well that he knows of her loyalty to her mother-in-law. The news went around town. He knows of her loyalty to, to follow his mother and, her mother-in-law into a foreign land to, to a people that she didn't know. So her initiative is rewarded as the Lord protects her 
through Boaz. And he, he ensures his, her safety and provision. And she has more than enough food for herself and for Naomi. Friends, what, in the times you've struggled with, with hardship or uncertainty, uh, what did you do with what was available to you? Sometimes the, the uncertainty of our lives can, can, uh, can lull us into inactivity where we do nothing. Where in, instead of using the opportunities or the resources provided to us, we can fall into despair or, or we're frozen and, and arrested by all that we don't know and all that we fear. And, and instead of trying to make a way with whatever is in front of us, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't avail of that and we don't trust the Lord. It's, it's very interesting to notice how, how Naomi is considered the follower of the Lord, but it is Ruth the Moabite who seems to operate in a way that we would expect Naomi to. So instead of being in the fields with Ruth, Naomi's not with her in the fields. Granted, she might be older, um, but the point is Ruth is proactive. Sometimes we can be so fixated on a desired outcome that we, we refuse to budge or move when that might be what the Lord wants us to do. Sometimes things don't go the way we want it to go because it's not the Lord's plan. And perhaps at times He is showing us kindness by not giving us exactly what we want or what we need. I think of Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, he says, he talks about the thorn in his flesh. He prayed that God would take that thorn away. But in time, Paul understood God's intention for that thorn was so that he would not be proud. And instead, the Lord wanted Paul to see his grace being sufficient for him. God's power being made perfect in weakness. And I'm encouraged by many of you here in this room that despite the hardships you face, you've, you've persisted in doing what you're able to do, what the Lord has called you to here in Erbil. It's a testimony to the world that despite your hardship, despite the unknowns, you trust in God. Now, this is not a call to avoid seeking a solution. Sometimes we, we're able to get out of a difficult situation by by making a way and trusting the Lord. But this is, but sometimes people just stay and continue in their situation. This is a call to trust the Lord and to act wisely with what you are, with, with, with what you are able to do in your hardship. So for some of us, it might mean perhaps finding a better job. Perhaps it might mean ending a relationship that is abusive or sinful or one that's drawing you away from the Lord. It might mean persevering to do right when an employer knows you're a Christian and he's calling you to do wrong. You all know where you are in the hardships that you go through. And I pray and I hope that the Lord gives you wisdom to do what is right with what is available in front of you. So we've reflected on Ruth's proactivity once again, but it's not a call for us to be foolish. Which leads to a third observation about what Ruth does in this difficulty. Thirdly, Ruth heeds wisdom. She, she, she listens to wisdom. 
So Naomi, better than anyone, knew what Ruth's options were. You know, after noticing the generosity shown to her daughter-in-law, it comes to Naomi's attention that Boaz, in fact, is a close kinsman redeemer. He would be the one who could possibly rescue both her and Ruth by, by redeeming Elimelech's land and in the process also taking Ruth to be his wife. It's, it's amazing. From, from no prospect of food to being more than satisfied, from being alone and with no inheritance, with no name, with no protection, to having hope that there is a redeemer. And in the Lord's provision as well, though Naomi was bitter, she gives good counsel to Ruth. She tells her what to do so that she can figure out a way to get married. And Ruth, Ruth has helped to consider the various ways she needs to be prepared to, to approach Boaz. And the Lord works through Naomi's wisdom so that Ruth knows exactly how to ask Boaz, the godly kinsman redeemer, for herself. If only listening to wisdom were, were that simple. You know, it's easy to look back and say, I'm, I'm glad and, and I'm, that I'm humble enough to, to, to heed wisdom. Friends, are we good at considering the wisdom we receive? Are we good at hearing wisdom from brothers and sisters in Christ? Or wisdom, for, or wisdom from those who have walked the road a bit longer than us? You know, we're in this age of, of countless platforms for self-convinced, self-righteous, uh, self-proclaimed, wise in our own eyes, know-it-alls, you know? Uh, but, but Ruth's humility and quickness to consider Naomi's words is so refreshing. There's no what if, what about, it's just, I'll, I'll listen to you. All that you've said, I will do. Ruth could have been tempted to follow her own heart and let it go like in Frozen, or maybe go and do what she thought was best. Ruth probably could have asked another person on the field what she ought to do with Boaz. But instead, Ruth is aware of Naomi's desire for her. Naomi seeks to care for her. She's aware of that. And Naomi says, I'm, I'm not going to rest till you find rest. So Ruth is receptive to counsel. And the Lord works through Naomi's words to Ruth. Friends, who knows, perhaps in your life, God intends to work through the wisdom he gives through the people he has placed in your life, especially brothers and sisters. Naomi fully understood Ruth's situation as, as a foreigner, as someone who's childless and widowed. When we seek wisdom, we, we ought to listen to brothers and sisters who are quick to draw our attention to God's words. Friends, don't just... Go to some place and ask for wisdom. Actually approach people that are wise. People who will draw you towards the Lord instead of away from Him. You want someone who will, who will counsel you to hold fast to the Lord. Who will counsel you to hold fast to His goodness and sovereignty. Instead of someone who will give you counsel and, and, and justify you pursuing disobedience because of suffering. And friends, when we give counsel, let's, let's do it out of love, not of a desire to see our brother or our sister pursue holiness and, and, and obedience to God. And don't do it so you can get a kick out of it, so you can exercise some kind of control. Do it because you love this person. 
Now, I'm not saying Christians are the only wise people. There's a lot of wise people out there who don't follow Christ. There's many out there who can offer something worth listening to. But it would be a shame to, to not avail of the grace that God gives to us through the local church here. There's so many here that we can avail from in terms of wisdom. And seeking wisdom doesn't call for us to throw away the minds that God has given to us, but it does call for a humility to to listen and to consider. And sometimes, friends, good wisdom will go against what you want to hear. God's word tells us in Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but many are the kisses of an enemy. So how does it go for Ruth in in heeding Naomi's counsel? Let's consider our last point. Point number three, the Lord, kind, redeeming, and good. Friends, we we began this time together considering Ruth's difficult circumstances. Uh, we, We looked at how the Lord worked providentially behind the scenes through ordinary means. Let's consider more how the Lord kindly redeems his people and and accomplishes his good purpose. There was a closer kinsman redeemer who refused to damage his own chances and his own children's inheritance because of Ruth. But Boaz is there, and Boaz does everything within his power to redeem Ruth. And he does this even at the risk of, of shaming his own name. In Ruth, he sees a worthy woman, an excellent woman, as described in in Proverbs 31. He buys Elimelech's land. He acquires Ruth the Moabite for himself. Ruth goes from being widowed, a foreigner, childless of a despised people group, to being redeemed from field hand to cherished bride. A worthy woman. From being alone and vulnerable to being sheltered under the wings of a godly kinsman redeemer. One from the same line as as Rahab the prostitute. And in her marriage to Boaz, she goes from being an outcast in a dying family line to being woven into a kingly eternal line where where there'll be a king whose rule will know no end. From Boaz and Ruth came Obed. From Obed came Jesse, and from Jesse comes King David. Friends, it's amazing that this side of the cross, we can see how the Lord has woven together all these stories into his story and his ultimate purpose for all history. God came to earth as man to redeem a people, a bride for himself. Jesus came to be the redeemer the one who would redeem you and I from our sin. He would buy us with his blood. He would buy us, making people a people for himself out of every tribe and tongue into his bride. And in Christ, we go from being lowly, poor, and needy to being eternally loved and rich in Christ, one with him through faith. We can partake of his love where he has made us his and he has become ours. How, how mysterious and how amazing at the same time that God would work through the, the abandonment of a lowly, mobile woman. He would work through the godliness of a Jewish man and the counsel of a bitter widow. Friends, God ultimately redeems his people 
in eternity through Christ. He accomplishes his good purposes for his people through Christ. And he has woven so many stories together in Christ. And in Christ, we can find shelter. Just like how Ruth was seeking shelter, we can find eternal shelter in God and redemption from the dead and redemption into his eternal light. Now, perhaps you're thinking, well, it's easy to say that when you know the end of the story. I'm still suffering. Nothing has changed after your sermon. But I just want to remind you, the Lord knows the end. The Lord holds the end. The Lord holds your now. The Lord knew you when you were in your mother's womb. And when we finally see him face to face, all of this is not going to matter. We were singing that song earlier, nearly choked up. At the trumpet sound, we'll wake. Death is swallowed up in victory when we meet our King of grace. Every year we thought was wasted. Every night we cried, how long? All will be a passing moment in our Savior's victory song. So when we see our Savior, we're not going to be like, God, why did this happen to me in this year? We're going to be like, wow, he made it. Lord, it all makes sense. So friends, as we end our time looking at Ruth's life, I just want to encourage you that we can take hope and we can know that all our difficult circumstances, God will work through it. And God's good purposes cannot be undone by our difficult circumstances and what we have in our lives. And in Christ, we ultimately see he is good, and there's different means through which he works. Turn your eyes towards the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are in control of all things. Thank you that you know us in our suffering. For you yourself, you yourself are a God who has suffered. And thank you that in Ruth's life we can consider how you have worked all things together for her good and for your glory. And thank you that the same is true in our lives. But God, would we be a church family that looks to you, that, that believes that you were good, that believes that you know us in our suffering, and that you intend to keep us till the end. Thank you that your good purposes for our life continue in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.